0: Hi, and welcome to Unlimited, the podcast platform that gives voice to remarkable mothers and women from the Arab world to inspire, engage, and drive growth. In Unlimited Perspective series, we welcome inspiring women and mothers who embrace life with innovative perspectives and whose missions and achievements are making a mark. For this new episode of our Unlimited groundbreaking series, we're thrilled to welcome our award-winning celebrity stylist, business mentor author and TEDx speaker, Kelly Lamberg. Upon arriving in Dubai as an Emirates crew member in 2003, Kelly quickly decided to hang up her wings and swap Emirates Pillar red box seals for stylish stilettos, taking a car loan and investing every dirham to launch the first ever styling service in the Middle East, Style Me Divine. Fast forward 15 years and Kelly is one of the most diverse business entrepreneurs to have emerged from the styling world to date. Under her belt, branded, of course, she has a styling workshop series for Harvey Nichols, as well as collaborations with Louis Vuitton and Gucci, not to mention 1.5 million views on her YouTube channel and over 50,000 followers on Instagram. From styling a Saudi Royal to walking the red carpet at the BAFTAs, Kelly was poised to sell her agency and launch the S Academy, a programme that mentors aspiring stylists and lifestyle business owners on how to launch and grow independent businesses and personal brands. We couldn't be more excited to have Kelly as our special guest today to wrap up our podcast series for 2020. Stay tuned to discover how she was able to maintain and grow her personal and business success through every recession while also overcoming a divorce and even testing positive for COVID. Hi Kelly and welcome to Unlimited. I'm so excited to have you with us.
1: It's so nice to sit down and have a a cup of tea virtually and have a little bit of a chat. So really (laughs) nice to be here.
0: A cup of tea for you and a coffee for me. We're all set. They say the sky is the limit, but for you, the sky was just the beginning as you literally took off from Dubai as a crew member. I know it seems so long ago, but why did you choose to join Emirates at the beginning of your career?
1: Oh, you know, it was, I was young and I was in Scotland. It was the middle of winter and it was just like, it was an amazing opportunity. Um, I didn't love the weather in Scotland, I'll be honest. It was quite miserable, quite rainy. And I didn't, I wasn't ready to commit to a career yet. You know, my friends were still at university and and I was like, I just still don't know what I wanted to do. And it was, it just seemed like a great opportunity to travel. I, I actually didn't know where Dubai was on the map. And I remember my mum said to me, she was like, well, we'll go and look it up. And I was like, I don't even know if you can drink in this country. You know, priorities when you're 20 years old. (laughs) And um, I remember going into Princess Street in town um, in Edinburgh and went into what was then a very big Walterson's bookshop and went to the travel section and found Dubai. And I was like, "Okay, great. There's some bars there. There's some shops. There's some nightlife. Okay, applied for the job. And uh, Yeah, like eight months later or seven months later, the process was quite long to actually get the job. Um, But yeah, I arrived in April 2003, I think it was.
0: Whoa, early ages, early ages. Pioneering,
1: Ryan. And I said, you know, I was only going to come for a year and, you know, was based here and travel the world. And I ended up doing two and a half years. Um, before I you know left and, and decided to set up my own business but it was just it was at a great time where you know just travel the world and the life in Dubai was just is uh, you know, it was fun it was it was different to it. it is now you know 20 years later it's much more cosmopolitan it was much smaller then and everyone kind of knew everyone um, which is nice but you know with growth in a city brings opportunities and that's exactly what happened and that's where it sort of led to the next steps of going, do you know what, I want to be part of this exciting entrepreneurial environment that um, Dubai cultivates and it's contagious. And it's this kind of, you know, well, you can do anything. And certainly in those days, there was endless possibilities of services and businesses that hadn't reached the Gulf yet. So it was it was exciting times.
0: And you surely managed to identify and to make the most of those opportunities. But it's not easy to leave a secure job and a secure pay. So how did you prepare to take that leap, if you prepared at all?
1: I, I didn't. In fact, <laughs> you know, I, when I really didn't prepare myself, it was literally a leap of faith. Do you know, I think the one thing that kind of got me through it was, I remember it at the time, so I took a loan to start um my business. And the reason I did that was because in those days, the free zone asked you to have a set amount of money in the bank account in order for you to be shareholder. So they were looking for 100,000 dirhams at 24 years old. I don't have that kind of money. So I took a loan from the bank. Well, actually, I took a car loan. Mm -hmm. And the bank manager said to me, you know, what kind of car are you buying? Like, this is a lot of money. And I sort of panicked because I was like, I'd never bought an expensive car in my life. So I was like, I'm buying a Porsche. And he said to me, oh, you have great taste. And three days later, the funds were in my bank account and that was kind of what I used to set up my business and set up the trade license you wouldn't get away with that now but um when it came to of so, so I looked at this oh I've taken this loan for 100,000 dirhams and I was 24 I had no idea how I was going to pay it back but I also looked then around then all my friends were finishing university with huge student debts and I remember equating to at the time going do you know what If my business doesn't work then I've taken this loan but it's no different to all my friends who've gone to university for four years and are still coming out looking for jobs so I was like well I'll just take this as a university of life if it doesn't work so it that part kind of didn't base me and I was like I'll pay it back worst case scenario I can go back to flying it wasn't I hadn't left on on bad terms I had a great record I was you know progressed really fast up the um the cabin so there's always a way so and, and I guess when you're 24 you're naive so I didn't have dependents I didn't have children um I didn't have an expensive shoe collection that I wanted to keep up then you know that's only come in the latter years so my overheads were pretty small
0: and being so young and venturing to a sector that was new to you apart from your impeccable sense of style and not just in cars right <laughs> <laughs> how did you make the clients and investors to trust you
1: yeah, so I mean, I'd always worked in retail before I had been crew. So the fashion and style element was always there. It was the business that I um I needed to learn. And honestly, there is no better way learning business than actually doing it and making the mistakes yourself. Um, I had a mentor in the very early days who really did help me with the process of, you know, who are you speaking to just asking the right questions. You know, and I didn't know he was a mentor at the time. He was just a friend who had been in business a lot longer than I had. And he was like, what about this? And, you know, well, what are you going to do today? And, you know, it was hard. It, it was really hard. But I, I networked a lot. Um, you know, I joined uh, networking groups to, to understand the community a little bit better. And one thing I learned, which is still probably to this date being one of the best things that anyone ever told me was, you need to write a press release. So a friend of mine who was crew said, "You need to write a press release and send it to the press." And I was like, "What's a press release?" So I went home and googled on my big computer, you know, at the time, um, what's a press release, and I sort of read what it was. and And together, she sort of helped me. I wrote some ideas, and I wrote my first press release. And then. I remember at the time I um, like I didn't have any money, so I didn't have the money to go and buy all the magazines to get the phone numbers to contact all the magazines. So I, I went into Spinney's one day and thought I hid in the corner of the magazine shop and then just looked at all the magazines and I was like, OK, ITP eminence woman and i looked at all the so got all the telephone numbers then i went home called the the place and went who do i need to speak to who's the editor of this what's their email address and it was and that was kind of how it was And i sent that out and i got featured in i think six or seven different publications within the first quarter of opening um or launching the business should i say so i had a two-page feature in eminence woman um in those days seven days was like the biggest newspaper and they did a weekly column for me steal the look um you know um Ahlan, uh, nominated as the one to watch business entrepreneur you know so I got a lot of coverage that way and then my first client called me she's like I've read about you in a magazine will you come to my house and and help me tidy my wardrobe and I remember thinking then that wasn't quite in my business plan of going to people's houses and doing their closets. It was shopping, not the closet thing. And I'm thinking, sure, like, you know, and I'd read somewhere, you know, in the early days of business, say yes to everything, Mm -hmm. you know, 15, 20 years on. It's a very different story because you need to prioritize. But in those days, I was hungry. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. And I remember she paid me in those days, It was you know, 350 dirhams, maybe 300 dirhams. And I cleaned her closet and edited it and what is now a very popular service the wardrobe edit and I took all her clothes to charity and I was like I can't believe I've just been paid to (laughs) to to help someone tidy their wardrobe this is great like it was like I wasn't working and that was kind of the start of it
0: those were the days of uh, style me divine right
1: Yes, yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is the real essence of personal styling beyond the shopping experience? Because, I mean, you can shop for clothes, but how do you develop style? And even more, how do you instill style in a third person, in a client?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've realised as I've gone on to teach stylists is there's different kinds of stylists. And you get stylists who are incredibly creative and Um, are brilliant for editorials and work for magazines and TV commercials and I tried my hand at that. What I realized when you're working with people and styling them is first and foremost you have to like people and not everyone really enjoys the interaction of understanding a person and you know what their hang-ups are and why don't they like wearing the color brown or their husband hates prints and and it's not then just taken on board their imperfections and i don't like my tummy and i don't like my arms it's then going well you know i don't like this or dubai's dressy or this was one of the biggest things that i never encountered was so many people who moved to dubai in those days um didn't have the clothes when you go out so Dubai is a much dressier culture, I think, because many of the bars and restaurants are in five-star hotels. So there's just always that little bit more of an effort. You get taxis everywhere, so you can wear nice shoes. You know, in Edinburgh, my high heel shoes don't get a look in. It's cobbled streets; they'd be wrecked. <laughs> Whereas here, you're in air conditioning. It's marbled floors. Like it's it's there's much more of an opportunity. And and you and the other thing is you wear less clothing. So, you know, certainly in Europe, you know, in the winter, you have a nice big coat and then no one really sees what go- goes on underneath that. When you're here, you wear less clothing. So people notice it or you notice it more. So combined with this dressier culture, what do we wear when there's when you're wearing less clothing and and how do you feel good? And I do think there was a certain element where, um, you know, mums found it quite tough on the school run. They wanted to look the nice, but they, they struggled with the heat, certainly in the summer. Um, you know, there was everything from, you know, people that were building their businesses, working on their personal brands, wanting to look the part, um, to, you know, people that were starting out again, I've just divorced. Um, how do I go on a date? What should I wear? How do I, you know, how do I feel good about myself? Um... And, and I think that was the best part was really the instant gratification that I got was when someone put on an outfit and you just literally saw them light up. writing it up. Um, and that to me is like, that's like, okay, I've just got the best job in the world. I love it.
0: Yes. And it's like in a movie. I feel you could write your own comedy show.
1: You know, there's been so many like standout little experiences that I've had. And there was this one lady in particular and she said, you know, I'm so happy. I'm flying home. My daughter's about to have a baby and I'm going to the baby shower. But my ex-husband's going to be there with his new wife. I need an outfit for that. And he had, she hadn't seen the ex-husband in, I don't know, like five, seven years, whatever. She said, I just want to feel amazing. And we got her an incredible outfit. And I remember she messaged me at the end of the baby shower, a couple of weeks later, and she just said, thank you so much. I felt so good. That you can't buy, you know, or well, you can in clothes, but yes, in theory, yes. you know, that confidence, it, it, it's, it's a big
0: deal. So, you know, those are the moments that I loved. How do you relate to different nationalities and different cultures when it comes to choosing the right attire to attend one of the many festivities that are celebrated in the region that could go from iftars to Diwali, Christmas and so on?
1: So many of those, you know, in the latter years, which I loved, um, a huge proportion probably 80 percent of my clients were Emirati men, and I loved it because they were so used to dressing in um traditional dress when they were here, but when they traveled, they loved to dress up, and it was like, So, how do I look sharp for my business meetings? How do I look the part while I'm in Europe? I had another guy once who was getting married and, and he was like, I don't want my wife to know that I've got no dress, no dress sense. So we went out shopping before his, um, uh, wedding and his honeymoon and we prepped all the outfits before we went. And then he was sending me pictures (laughs) when he was on his honeymoon. For validation. Yeah. Do you think this is okay? We're going to the museum together. And it just kind of got him over that sort of first hurdle and then I'm quite sure she saw through it was like I'll take over but yeah so whether it's festivities cultural um they all bring their own sense of um you know just enjoyment and and new challenges I remember another um Emirati um that I styled and you know he loved a session and he was actually going on holiday with his four friends and he used to go on holiday every year and I said aren't your friends going to notice that you have like stepped up your game And he was like, yeah, I think we will. And I said, well, will you tell them that you hired a stylist or will you tell them that you've got a new girlfriend? And he was so embarrassed. He was like, no, I'm going to tell them I've got a new girlfriend who helped me. (laughs) He didn't want to let them know that he'd had a stylist helping him.
0: And those were the golden years in Dubai. But you've been able to sustain yourself and reposition yourself and your business even during the recessions. What is uh, your key learning and what advice do you have to overcome these tough times?
1: I would say that I've always kind of had my fingers in a couple of different pies in the sense that there's always been more than one revenue stream for me. It hasn't just always been styling. And styling has been the core part and and the vehicle of my business is style. But it's um, got so many different facets to it, depending on on what, 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 someone or a company needs and I I found that that has been incredibly important during the recession so during the recession of 09 I published my first book and I was doing a lot of speaking and I was going into organizations and I was speaking at schools. so there was a bit of a revenue stream coming in there where I was talking about entrepreneurship and the skills and and what have you so um, throughout that, and then, you know, as we kind of went into 2013-14, I really enjoyed training new stylists. So I realized if I wanted to have a bigger impact on people, I couldn't do the one-to-one. Like I needed to have something that was more leveraged. And I created my first online product in 2014, which was the seven-step styling formula. It was the steps I took to running a business in style, which a lot of people look at maybe style as a hobby and think, can't really make money in that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not true, you can. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of them missed out on the business side of styling. And that was the part that I loved the most. So since 2014, I was uh, mentoring sort of stylists. And then um, by 2018, I launched my own academy. So we have membership and offer full on mentoring where I'll guide someone through the process from A to B. So there's so many aspects in style that go beyond just style. You could be the best stylist in the world, but if no one knows about you or no one knows about your business and you don't have a marketing plan, then it doesn't matter if you're amazing because you will have no clients. And I really loved that part of of helping people on a bigger a bigger process because if I if I mentored one person then they would be helping hundreds of clients a year and it was just kind of the ripple effect so I loved that and then that also gave me the framework to be able to go into organisations like department stores so I've done um, training with Louis Vuitton on retail and and style training I've worked with Reese. I've worked with Marks and Spencer's I've worked with um, harvey nichols and bloomingdales to just bring their level of style um within um you know sales associates and, and their personal shoppers so again back to the question of you know surviving through different um challenging points of business which they come to everyone it is just having multiple um I, I feel for me, multiple revenue streams, and and this year going through um, you know a global pandemic, I was heavily mentoring, um, but I was I was not just mentoring stylists, mm. and what I loved about the transition over the past sort of twelve months is mentoring entrepreneurs that are on a similar path to myself that have a great business. But really need to work on their their personal brand, or just become a bit more known within the digital space of who they are, their credibility, their expert state status, and develop their brand new presence. So during lockdown, I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to create an online course of all the things that I absolutely love in personal branding. So there's the elements of style. There's the elements of your digital presence. There is your collaterals. There is your website. There's so many people want to have a great first impression, but you go and look at their website and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'd hire this person or you know, another avenue for people to hear about you. And so often business owners hide behind um, their business and they go, oh, but I don't want to be the face of my business or it's not about me, it's about my business. At the end of the day, and if this uh, uh, pandemic has taught us anything, that people want real connection. They want to deal with real people and they need to know your story and stories sell. So that's kind of been the, the natural evolution where I still mentor stylists now but I love working with entrepreneurs who are hungry to grow their business and in turn their personal brand becomes a huge aspect of that because then you're promoting two aspects of revenue streams and businesses and stuff like that so it's really good.
0: That's incredible Kelly and while you are the inspiration to so many would have been your main sources of inspiration?
1: I mean I've invested a lot in coaches over the years, so my personal development bill um, certainly outweighs my clothing bill. I would say (laughs) Um, I hired my first coach during uh, the the recession, and it was part of the Tony Robbins coaching program um, more than ten years ago. And it was really the best thing I ever did. And for anyone who's on the fence about going, oh, do I get a coach? Should I get a mentor? A hundred percent. And. If I was to actually work out, and I think I have done a video where I've worked out how many uh, coaches I've had or how much I've spent over the years. Um, But not just that, I think probably one of the biggest sources of inspiration for me is listening to a podcast in the morning. I love being able to have someone in my ear that's friendly, that's talking about business, that really just gets me inspired. For me, that is a huge source of inspiration that gets me going in the day. And and the morning routine, like I really need to have a morning routine or the day dramatically goes down.
0: Interesting point, the morning routine, considering that during COVID, all our good habits and routines lost every sense
1: yeah there's definitely a huge aspect now of the sort of sustainability what can we rework what how, do we have in our wardrobe but one thing that I think has been a little bit of a mistake that people have got far too comfortable in lounge wear and in turn not feeling good about themselves. So um, I was in uh, lockdown on my own, like I didn't have any company, I wasn't living with anyone. And the first few days, like I was like, oh, yeah, you know, a whole month, I don't have to do my makeup and don't have to dress up. And, you know, I thought this was brilliant. And three days in, I just felt like horrible. I just, I didn't feel nice. Every time I walked past a mirror, it was like, oh, you look a mess. And when you start telling yourself that kind of thing, it, it, it started to have a real impact on me mentally Mm. so I then from pretty much the third day into lockdown was like do you know what I am dressing every day that I'm going to work okay the type of things slightly differentiated from the perspective of everything I wore had an elasticated waistband (laughs) because let's face it (laughs) jeans aren't comfortable so I wore loads of skirts and t-shirts and just I made an effort to wash my hair and do it for no one else but me for yourself and I think yeah and I think that that started to come about and I know a lot of people you know invested in sort of their skincare routine and you know one of the things in, I did so I actually I actually um had COVID back in September oh. and I was in so it was asymptomatic I didn't have any symptoms I actually didn't know I had it until I went to fly home and I went for the test and um they said oh sorry you're you've tested positive positive." and one of the things I was like oh wow I cannot leave the house for two weeks, like not even to go for a walk to the shops, nothing. What am I going to do? And I was like, well, what worked for me really well in in the lockdown? I was like, OK, my morning routine, um, doing my workout, listening to a podcast. And then I learned how to do makeup. So I was like, right, OK, let me watch YouTube tutorials, like all these things that I said I wanted to do at some point and never done. I'm like, OK, you can't go out anywhere. No Make one's going to see it. you. Let's practice it. Make and, the most of and that's it. that's what I- Yeah, totally.
0: And what about that awareness that we've all developed about having a wardrobe full of clothes that we don't really need? Do you think that it will really bring us to buy less, but more cautiously and making more sustainable choices?
1: Sort of back to that. Yes, there is the buy smart, buy carefully, buy things that you like, but... Buy things that make you feel good and don't keep them for special occasions. Wear them.
0: Throughout your life, Kelly, your professional life, out of all the projects and people you've been involved with, what has been the most special experience, the one that you treasure the most?
1: Oh, there's been so many and they've been so different for so many reasons. Certainly work at getting the call from Louis Vuitton and working with them on you know, a five-week, retail training project was like you know in terms of like brand calling you I was like oh, you know that was was really exciting to you know something I say 29 years old I wrote my first book you know my English teacher had told me that I would never be able to study higher English and you know it was a real big deal at school to to study it and I passed just but you know at 29 I sent my English teacher a copy of my book, my published book. So that was, you know, there, there's been so many kind of different things. seen the success that some of my stylists have, that they say, do you know what, if you hadn't helped me through my business, I wouldn't have been able to have done this or service this client. So I, there's not just one. And you know, I'll we'll hang up and I'll be like, oh damn, there was that one. Like I worked with a Saudi prince. Like that was amazing to work with royalty and have that experience um from a styling um capacity and even just one of my mentees who's got an incredible um business not a stylist has said since we've worked together over the past year her business has doubled like that to me is like you know so I can't just pick just one
0: of course of course and on the other side did you ever feel underestimated or underappreciated
1: by people or myself
0: that's a good point Uh, let's do both
1: did i ever feel underestimated by other people certainly in the early days absolutely and that's definitely drove me you know i think uh, people really did kind of underestimate me from a perspective of being young um maybe blonde being naive in business um uh, you know even from the the teacher um, saying, oh, you know, your business won't matter. And I know a lot of people kind of thought when I left Crew, oh, she's never going to succeed or let her have a year of doing what she's doing. And, you know, so <laughs> I, I do think a lot of people kind of underestimated in, in, that, in that sense. With myself, have I ever underestimated myself? There's probably been a few times where I've been like, oh, that's gone better than I thought it has. <laughs> um, A lot better. I think I, at a period where I probably lost a lot of confidence and underestimated myself was going through a divorce mm. and um, doing that in Dubai and going where? Like, okay, moving house, um, not having the support in the sense of a roof over my head. If things didn't work, it was like it has. You have to make it work. So I think in the beginning, I I underestimated my um, my confidence and being able to do it because going through something personal does knock your confidence.
0: And how did you raise back up your game? I got a coach. Aha! <laughs> bless so him. have always her.
1: come at sort of real pivotal times and and really helped me through um, certain moments and, and and that was a really um, that was a really pivotal time in my career and business. It was when I really decided that I wanted to shift much more into. Um, um, mentoring it's when I wanted to sell the agency it's really where I wanted to focus on the next level of what I was doing
0: did you ever consider going back home or you were confident that you would have found once again in Dubai your land of opportunities
1: yeah certainly for now like I love Dubai and I love the opportunities that it brings I enjoy the the entrepreneurial vibe that it has so when I go home to my hometown like I love Edinburgh I love Scotland I love the UK um but because I don't have a community there in a business sense I do feel I miss that whereas I come here and and all my friends are in business whereas I don't have that when I go back and I mean never say ever um I have a partner who lives in Edinburgh now so we're doing long distance
0: wow so you survived a long distance and social distancing what a combo
1: it was a long socially distant relationship (laughs) but uh, certainly during COVID but at the moment you know we're just trying to work what what works best for both of us and and I'm happy here and and, um, yeah I certainly don't see that changing in the immediate future.
0: And I know that you just celebrated a huge milestone so happy belated birthday.
1: I felt like it was happening to someone else. Why? I think because I remember my parents 40th I was at my mum's 40th and I was at my dad's 40th and I always felt that that was really old sorry (laughs) mum and you know it just seemed different like when they were 40 it seemed old And I was like, but I don't feel 40. It just doesn't, it's happening to someone else that didn't feel like it was happening to me. It was very surreal, very surreal.
0: Well, you certainly don't look 40. (laughs) And do you feel that you've become the person who you were dreaming of as a child or possibly an even better version of that person?
1: Absolutely, because I think if you'd said this, I'd have been like, oh my God, that's like the dream, dream life. So even though I always had big dreams I think when you when you look back you're like wow if I told my younger self this then I would never have believed it Mm. type thing even though I was always quite passionate and driven to be able to do things so yeah now what for the next decade do I need to achieve that's my my big questions
0: do you have an answer for that already I'm working through it at
1: the moment it was, I think turning 40 was also like, wow, okay, so what am I going to do next? And and what do I feel that I need to do next? And what should I focus on? And, and what do I enjoy doing? So there was a lot of those questions. So I've been spending some time kind of myself and, and I love this time of year to go through um, my power booklet. I go through my goals. I reflect on the year, what worked, what didn't work, what do I need to stop doing? What do I need to focus on? And what makes me happy? So I'm kind of going through that and and probably one of my favorite weeks for doing that is in between Christmas and New Year where nothing really happens. It's like all the festivities are open over. I tend to take down my tree, I think, like that week because I'm like, okay, Christmas is done and I just want to get on with the new year. And I'll probably spend a lot more time then going, what are my goals for the next quarter, the next six months, the next 12 months, and then look at something longer planned for the next three years.
0: I wonder, how do you remain true to yourself? You seem so genuine, but with nearly 51,000 followers on social media watching you, don't you feel exposed? And how do you determine what to share or not to share online and remain true to yourself, despite, for sure, the planning and strategy that goes behind it?
1: I mean, I think I've got better as I've got older, in the sense that one of the biggest things... I realized, so I did I did um, a course with Tony Robbins um, two or three years ago called Date With Destiny. And for me, that was a real big shift because it kind of really helped me understand my values, um, what's important to me. And, and one of the biggest things was that I lived this life that I wanted everyone to like me, which I think everyone does. Everyone wants everyone to like them. But the truth is, we don't like everyone. So why do you think everyone should like you? And then when I sort of dropped this, stopped trying to please everyone to be liked and just be myself and accept that not everyone of the 50,000 people follow me because they like me, mm-hmm. then it's okay. And then when I got kind of comfortable with that feeling of, you know, not everyone's going to like me, it's okay. Then I felt like, hey, I'm going to be me. And and if you like me, you like me. And if you don't, you don't. I'm okay with it. And maybe that comes with age. Maybe that came with, you know, being happier than myself and, you know, going through the divorce and, you know, knowing who more I was, but certainly not worrying what other people think about me has been a real big um, game changer in the sense of how I come across on social media. And it's like, be honest. Cause I don't think a lot of people are really honest. But I also won't share every single thing that I do, because I think there is an oversharing as well. So <laughs> I don't, eh, you don't see what I have for breakfast every morning and lunch. Oh, and dinner thank like you for it. that.
0: That's thank you. Thank you.
1: Not my, not my vibe. Um, and I found the things that I actually enjoy engaging with, you know, I really love at the end of the week, having an end of week catch up. I enjoy asking people questions. So I've I'm starting to find the things in the engagement. I had this guy actually that, that, I did this question thing the other day and I was like, ask me a question about style and business. And loads of people came to my DMs, asked me a question, and then I shared it on, on Instagram. And this one guy said to me, oh, I'm looking for an investor for a business. Have you got any ideas? And I was like, well, actually I do. So I, I said, DM me again. and I And I put him in touch with someone that could maybe help him and and he sent me this email back and um, yeah i didn't expect you to come back on on social media and, and share something like like he was really taken back by it and i was like well why not i asked a question i answered it why would you not do that and he was like people aren't like that wow. i was like oh, well i am
0: <laughs> well it is incredible i surely not expected especially coming from social media
1: we're here to serve we're here to do our best and if i go to bed at night going do you know what or help someone or you know someone feels better today because I inspired them to wear an outfit in a different way like that makes me feel good I always have this goal that I wanted to inspire a minimum of five people every day to take action mm. in any form of, of action whether that was I'm going to call someone because they've watched my TEDx talk and feel like they need to make that call to someone because that was the theme of my um, TEDx talk or whether it's you know I'm going to style my outfit this way or I'm going to go and do a good deed for someone that was kind of always my goal so I try to do it and and you don't always know if you help five people but it's a start
0: (laughs) well it's a great start and not everyone is so positive to which point how do you protect yourself from the haters because being so successful and popular doesn't make you feel exposed to also a lot of criticism and negativity.
1: Yeah, I won't lie when people say something that's not nice. It hurts more than the the, the ten people that say nice things. But I have to say, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I don't, maybe I don't put out controversial stuff enough, but people come back with really horrible things.
0: So I, I'm quite fortunate that I don't get that. Lately, across the social media and the press, we've seen you wearing a beautiful black tuxedo. And I'm asking this because just last week we interviewed Briar Prestige and it's amazing to see how nicely connected are female entrepreneurs in the region. So how did you meet and how did you get involved in this project? I'm
1: trying to think actually how we first met and I think it was maybe an event that we met at. So okay, maybe, out and about, maybe out and about at an event. And then she asked me to speak at her um, Deals in High Heels event. So I did a, a Dress for Success presentation to a 100 of our women who attended, which went really well. And we've just always had sort of um, a relationship that's, you know, supporting other women. She has, um, I've been on our podcast um I've seen client you know there's just always been kind of like a nice um supportive relationship and then she'd asked me to be part of this we've earmarked um a black tuxedo suit which I'm like all over um fits beautifully like it's such a nice cut and um yeah I honestly wish her every success every single suit's got a little bit of personality behind it and um I think mine's the best but (laughs)
0: <laughs> well it's, and it's a perfect time of the year right isn't it perfect for uh, for the festivity season as well yeah
1: and it's just timeless like a black tuxedo you could still wear in 10 years time so
0: provided you
1: you don't uh, keep gaining weight in the sense <laughs> but yeah and see you could still wear it keep wearing it
0: and i love the name i believe you called it inspire
1: i did yeah my favorite word that that print just says inspire
0: and from inspire to unlimited Two big words and two big concepts. So our paramount question, what does unlimited mean to you?
1: Unlimited means to me um, just endless opportunities. For me, really just unlimited, endless opportunities to be able to do anything, be anyone, help anyone, just to do anything. And that to me is certainly um, a a feeling that um, living in Dubai, the energy it carries is, is that sort of unlimited feeling as
0: well. Love it. Absolutely love it, Kelly. And I love to pause it here with Inspire as your motto and our mission. Thank you, Kelly, for joining Unlimited. And we wish you all the very best for this uh, end of year festive period. This is actually going to be our last podcast interview for this uh, first season. So it was even more special. Thanks again, Kelly. Thank you.
1: End on a high. Thank you so much Definitely. for inviting. I'm sorry for all the, the people running around oh, the lovely. house. <laughs> lots of
0: behind the scenes funny, <laughs> funny stuff. Well,
1: I guess it just makes it real.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope you found it inspiring and fulfilling. Please subscribe to Unlimited on your favorite podcast app so you won't miss out on our next stories. To learn more about our content please log on to our website and follow us at unlimited.me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter and help us building a truly unlimited community. Thank you.